Hello from the city of Sheffield. This podcast is about the adventure. I am your host, Sarah Lister. In this episode, I talk to John Maiden, co-founder of a company called Panjango. John is seeking to transform the way that young people learn, driven by his desire to help young people find their purpose and fulfil their potential. I asked John about why he decided to change his career, how he thinks careers education needs to change and what influence adventure has had on his life. John, a very warm welcome to you. Thank you. Thank you for coming into my second podcast recording. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's get stuck in straight away. Why did you decide to change your career? Right. Uh, So it was actually 10 years ago, almost to the day uh, that I made the decision that I was never going to work for anyone else again in my life. Uh, And really, it was uh, my experience um, of my first two bosses in life um, that led me to to make that quite, quite serious decision. Uh, And that's then in turn led me to uh, embark on a path of um, freelancing and ultimately setting up my own business. And have there been any fears that you've pushed yourself to face? Right from day one, that there was always, um, yeah, it was always, uh, there was always a fear that what I had to offer to the world wasn't of enough value, um, and that um, that people wouldn't accept what I had to offer. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I suppose throughout that entire ten-year journey, I've always been battling the fear that it wouldn't work and that I'm not good enough to offer what I offer. Um, and that's something that uh, stays with me all the time, but it also drives me on to get better uh, and to find confirmation from my, my customers and my users uh, that what I am offering is of enough value. Um, so, so in a lot of ways, you can turn that fear into a positive um, to drive you on to be better in yourself and better in what you're offering to people. So when you're feeling that fear of doing something new doing something different what is it that motivates you to get out of bed and push yourself to actually do it okay um well i'll be quite honest i'm a night owl so despite the fact that i'm excited by the work that i do getting out of bed in the morning is certainly something that i don't jump at the prospect of doing um but when i do eventually drag myself out of bed um then then yeah i i drive uh, enjoyment um, from my work because it's it's purpose driven. Um, I'm on a mission, uh, quite an ambitious mission, uh, to transform the way that young people learn by gamifying and giving real world context to their learning. Um, it's it sounds quite a grand aim, and it certainly is. Uh, I, I'd say I'm at step one of about a million on that journey. Um, but but yeah, it, it's something that I feel the world urgently needs. Um, I feel the education system is no longer fit for purpose. Um, that we're not educating young people in the right way, uh, that young people are, are disengaged with the way that they're learning, and crucially, that we're not uh, we're not empowering young people with the knowledge, the skills, and the experience that they need to go out into the world and solve real world problems. And that's what the world needs now more than ever before. So, so for me, there's there's that that kind of driving purpose be- behind what I'm trying to achieve, um, and that's what motivates me to continue and. Uh, eventually drags me out of bed. <laughs> What's it like running your own business? Um, 
you could literally use every adjective that's ever been invented and it would be applicable to that question. Um, it's, it's the entire spectrum. Um, every single emotion you go through on almost every day. Um, so yeah, there are colossal lows where you just feel the entire world's against you and you're never going to win and you're not, you're not worth it. And you know, it's a real, real fight. And then within an hour, even something can happen that just transforms the entire way that you feel. Um, it could be an order that comes in from a customer. It could be some feedback you get. It could be going into a school and, uh, and working with some young people and seeing their reaction to, to what you offer. Um, and it can just completely transform uh, the energy uh, that's, that you have with that whole process of running your own business. Um, so yeah, it, it's a roller coaster. Um, and, and yeah, you can go on every single turn and loop of that roller coaster on every single day. How do you think that careers, education, information and advice can be better for people? Uh, well, m much as I, I believe the education system is not fit for purpose, I actually think careers education is too. I think it's, it's decades out of date in its approach. Um, we're still obsessed with getting young people to decide what job they want to do in the future. And, and quite simply, the world doesn't work like that anymore. So a young person leaving school today will have on average 30 different jobs in their lifetime across all different sectors. And now with the emergence of the gig economy, they'll often have several of those jobs at the same time across different sectors. Um, so this whole idea of a job for life and choosing one vocation, um, unless you're choosing you know, a, particular, um, a particular specialism like being a doctor, for example, there are very, very few career paths that follow that trajectory. Um, so I feel it's it's much more important now to ask people what problems do you want to solve in the world um, because that opens up a much more open-minded discussion and crucially it taps into purpose. It gets young people thinking about what they're passionate about, what they're interested in, what excites them um, and really how they can make a difference in the world. So rather than choosing a job that they for whatever reason are very unlikely to get um, because it's 10 years down the line when they leave school, um, they can tap into a question like helping to tackle the climate emergency or uh, helping animals or working in sports and helping people become better at sport. You know, those kind of questions. Uh, and there are a hundred different jobs that they can do within each of those, those problems that need solving. Um, so, so for me, it, one of the reasons that I set up Panjango uh, and sought to help young people find their purpose is to reframe uh, the questions that we're asking within careers education and equally by doing it with games to make it much more fun and engaging and interesting for young people as well and to make that learning better reflect how they learn in the real world outside of school and how much of that comes from your personal experience of careers learning um, and careers advice in your life uh yeah no it, it's an interesting question. Um, my, my own personal experience of careers education at school was, was pretty shambolic. Um, I, I can always remember the, the one single hour of careers education I, I got during my entire education um, was when they advised me, um, they kind of pushed me down a route of choosing a profession that I wanted to go into. And because I felt like I needed to give an answer, I said law. Um, it wasn't something that excited me. It wasn't something that I was particularly suited to, but that's what I said during that hour. 
And as a result of that, um, the careers advisor then said I needed to take maths so that I could get onto a law course at uni. I wasn't very good at maths at school. I didn't like it. I hated this idea of learning an abstract. It had no purpose and meaning for me. Um, so, so yeah, I, I didn't enjoy the subject and I wasn't very good at it. Um, so I took maths on the advice of this careers advisor instead of geography, uh, which I actually got, I got in the top, um, I think it was top 1% of all marks in the country at geography because I had that brilliant inspirational geography teacher, you know, that, that magic teacher that you, you always remember. And I, and I loved the subject and he brought it to life for me. Uh, so yeah, I got terrible careers advice uh, in choosing a subject that didn't suit me above one that I, I loved and, and looked forward to going to the lessons. Um, result was I got a D in maths instead of probably getting an A in geography. Um, but, but yeah, it always sat really uncomfortably, the question that was asked of me. Um, in that session that led me down to that bad choice, uh, which is, you know, what job do you want to do? Um, so, yeah, it, that, that stayed with me ever since. And there's so many people that, that's, that have similar stories like that as well. Yeah, I think starting with that question of, you know, what job do you want to do can put so much pressure on people to have a very clear answer, whereas asking what impact you want to make or what problems you want to solve or why you want to even work can open up and explore so many other options that perhaps people have never even thought of before. Yeah, absolutely. That, that question, what, what do you want to be when you grow up, is, is problematic on so many levels. I mean, f first of all, um, the, the research shows that a, only a tiny percentage of people ever go on to become what they say they want to be when they're younger. It's, it's around 10 to 15%. Um, so, you know, for a large majority of the population, you're, you're setting them up to fail. Um, so they feel like they've failed and because they haven't achieved their career ambition. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. They might go on to do something they, they enjoy more and they're better at or they're more suited to. The other thing is that we're then defining our purpose in life by work, which is, is, is problematic in different ways. You know, we're living in a mental health crisis that's largely driven by the way that we're working in society and actually to, to define our lives purely by work it is not a positive step to take. So how do you define your life and your purpose? <laughs> That's not, not an easy question to answer, it's a good question. Um, I, I would say my, my current purpose um, is, is my mission to transform the way that young people learn. I don't feel like that purpose needs to define me for the rest of my life and I feel like I can at any point pivot towards a, a new purpose I don't think it needs to be set in stone um, but for now it feels like that's that's a problem that I want to solve um, and I feel like with Panjango and the the products and the services that we offer um, I feel like I've found a mechanism to at least chip away at solving that problem and demonstrate an alternative way of working for young people, an alternative way of learning for young people. Who do you think can have the greatest influence on helping people to find careers with meaning and purpose? Well, for young people, it's undoubtedly parents. Um, the young people's parents are the single biggest influence on their life. Um, so, so much of their their understanding of the world and their career aspirations um, are formulated as a result of conversations with their parents. It's for that reason that the games that we create at Panjango 
are just as much targeted at being played in the home environment uh, with families as a whole, just as much as being played in a school environment. We want parents to be part of that, that conversation about future life choices and about helping their children to, to find their own purpose. Um, for, for adults, though, I think it's possibly slightly different. I'd say that it's often said that, you know, you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with in life. And I'd say that's, that's very true. Um, so I'd say, you know, look at those five people that are most immediately around you uh, for the most amount of time. Uh, and those are those those are the people that um, that influence your future direction more than anyone else. So, is there anyone in particular in your life that really inspires or influences you? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to contradict myself now straight away after having just said that. Um, I. I I, I find I draw inspiration from people who are who are trying to tackle the big problems in society. Actually, um, so so yeah, they, they are they are people who are immediately around me to a certain extent. Um, you know, I, I I know people who are you know tackling homelessness, um, who are working with um, broken families, um, who are I know someone who's even trying to you know, essentially find a cure for cancer. You know, people doing amazing things and, and you do meet these amazing people, particularly on the, in the entrepreneur circle. Um, but equally, people that you don't know, people that you've never met before who, who are just uh, pioneering new ways of doing things, you can draw inspiration from them. Um, and, and I think that those people who have those, those fresh ideas and new approaches uh, are particularly inspirational. And also, for me, I'm not someone who, I'm not one of these... Um, entrepreneurs that you you hear about quite often who's up at 5am and working till past midnight and they're doing this seven days a week and they live and breathe their their work I, I'm not one of those people I don't think I ever could be um, but I do draw inspiration from people who who are that committed to their work when do you feel that your work is really making a difference okay um it's when I see young people using our products uh, and I can, see, I can see that light bulb moment. Um, so I often go into schools and I, I run workshops myself with young people um, or I see teachers using our products with young people and, and kind of can watch from afar. Uh, and you just often see that light bulb moment where a young person's suddenly understanding the real world applications of their learning. They understand that what they're learning in a maths lesson can be used to solve a real life problem and make someone's life better in the future. Or that, you know, they've always dreamed of, of being a footballer, for example, as, as is often the case. Um, but suddenly they, they realise that there are dozens of other opportunities of working in, in a football sector or a sporting environment where they can use their knowledge and skills uh, in loads and loads of really interesting ways that they never knew about before. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's seeing those light bulb moments, I think, is, is what, what drives me on um, to create more of them. Do you think that there's an ideal age to start thinking about careers? Do you think it's primary school or do you think it's later on in life? Well, again, I, I don't think it's necessarily thinking about careers, um, but I don't think there's ever a, I, I don't think you can start 
early enough in thinking about the future and thinking about um, how you want to learn and the knowledge and skills you want to develop uh, and the problems that you want to solve in the future. Um, so, so we've taken that approach to, to focus on children in the transition between primary and secondary school. Um, there's a lot of research that shows that that's a really crucial age for young people because they, they either understand the purpose of their learning and they buy into that education journey uh, and they're more engaged um, and ultimately they achieve more um, or they don't understand why they're at school and they tend to drop out of, of the education process and become disengaged learners. So, so that's a really crucial age, uh, age group for us. That's why we primarily target that age group, uh, kind of eight to 13 year olds. Um, we'd love to start developing products from literally day one of school. Uh, but again, never ever asking young people to decide the job they want to do in the future, having a much broader conversation than that. I think it's such a powerful message because I remember that when I was at school, I really didn't feel connected with why I had to be there. I, I really loved being at home and playing outside on the farm where I lived. And I didn't understand why I had to go to this place. And of course, though I was told that I needed to because I needed to be educated, I needed to get a job one day, but I never really felt any real connection with it. It was like, you have to do it because of this, but there was no feeling in it for me. It was, I just had to because I was told to by my parents and by my teachers, and I felt really disengaged. You know, I felt really disengaged with um, everything that I was learning, unless, like you said, I had a really good teacher, which was actually quite rare for me um, throughout my, my schooling. Um, and I think that if I'd have had a bit more, but just more questions around what I wanted to do in, you know, in my life, even if I didn't have concrete answers, but, you know, I, I knew certain things about myself, that I loved being outside, mm. I loved being around animals and all of these things, but I just tended to hide and just be a good pupil. Um, I didn't really express myself and, and what I loved doing. And so I think what you're doing can be extremely powerful and life-changing for so many people yeah that that's what we hear a lot um is that the education system is designed to only suit a very narrow type of learning style uh, and there's so many young people who for whom it just doesn't work um it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't match the way that they learn naturally um through exploration and through play and that's what we're trying to introduce um into careers education in particular but also into into core subjects as well um, so rather than just saying to pupils, uh, this is why your learning is important, we're actually demonstrating the real applications of their learning in life after school. So we're placing them into the shoes of loads and loads of different types of professionals and getting them to solve real world challenges. Um, so we're taking them on exciting journeys through the world of work um, to capture their imagination, um, but all the while linking it back to what they're learning in school. We want the, the, the boundaries between school and the real world uh, to become far more transient. Uh, and at the moment, schools are, are very much a silo um, where, where children are, are kind of kept and that's the place that they learn. And, and all learning of value takes place within those boundaries. And we don't believe that's the case. We feel that children should be learning 
throughout every aspect of their their development in their life. Mm. So what happens behind the scenes of running your business? <laughs> uh, it was interesting. I went into a school last week um, and the, the teacher there um, was using Panjango's games with 180 students at the same time. Um, and, and invited me into school to see the games in action with so many students uh, and introduced me to the pupils as the inventor. Uh, and you could just see the kids' eyes just light up at meeting a real-life inventor. And there was me just standing next to this guy just thinking, I don't feel like an inventor. Uh, and it was a really odd moment. Um, but actually, on reflection, yeah, I suppose I am an inventor. You know, I, I've, I've taken a product right through the cycle from, from you know, the initial idea um, through to the development of the product and manufacturing, taking it to market and then seeing it in use in classrooms. Um, and it was it was quite interesting. Just uh, you have this idea that an inventor is this really exciting job, and actually, yeah, the reality of that process is is often just sitting behind a computer screen, um, you know, plowing through content, uh, focusing on the really small minutiae of, of what you have to do, um, you know, working with suppliers and designers and developers and manufacturers. Um, so so yeah, the, what can on the surface appear quite exciting behind the scenes uh, can can often be uh, very very humdrum and and, and mundane in, at times but that's not to say that the the journey always is um, you know there are certainly certainly times when it, it is an exciting journey and you're doing really exciting work for me that's the most exciting time is when I'm working on new content and new challenges um, and that's when I feel like my skills are being best used uh, and I feel like that's when I'm creating the most value um, because I, I love this idea of bringing learning to life for young people and connecting it to the real world and, and I do that by, by creating that educational content and the games um, and just, yeah, just making learning more fun and engaging for young people. And when you're not working towards this big ambitious um, goal for yourself, this mission, um, what else happens? Like, where where else are you spending your time, and where do you where do you hang out? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I I have uh, a love of adventure, um, and I suppose you could say that um, being an entrepreneur is an adventure in itself. Um, but but yeah, beyond beyond the office, um, then I I love to to get out into into the wild places that we have so many of in this country, um, and. And yeah, just go on adventures. Um, so these aren't big adventures. Um, I call them micro adventures um, because they're they're small, they're low cost, they're often close to home. Um, but the idea is that you are uh, distilling adventure down to the, its smallest possible format uh, and and doing doing it in a way that's really accessible. Uh, when you are pressed for time, um, when you don't have a lot of money to go on big bold adventures around the world. Um, but most of all, it's about challenging yourself um, and, and, yeah, just pushing your limits. And I feel like actually going on adventures myself um, has led me to be more adventurous within the business world as well. So um, about a year ago, I heard you talking about these micro-adventures um, and goal-setting on BBC Radio Sheffield, and that's partly the reason why I first contacted you. And... I'm interested 
in hearing about how your passion for adventure has influenced your career path and decisions in life? Yeah, uh, I suppose it's about never feeling like you're settled in your comfort zone. Um, so on, on the adventures, uh, it's often um, about doing something that, that physically pushes your boundaries um, or that, that challenges you in a way that uh, to maybe to overcome a fear. Uh, so for, for me, a big one was my, my fear of heights. Um, I love mountains, but I also have, have vertigo. Uh, so for me, there was this real contrast between my desire to get out into the mountains, but also this, my reaction that my body has when I'm in exposed places up high. Um, and I've, I've constantly chipped away at that over the years and pushed myself to go on, on bigger adventures and climb bigger, more, more craggy, more exposed mountains. And, and now I, I find it really exhilarating and I purposefully seek out the, the craggiest ridges um, because that's that's where I get a real thrill, um, and and that directly maps over into my journey uh, in the entrepreneurial world, where there's not a part of me that's ever felt comfortable at any point along that journey. Um, all the while, you, you feel like you've got to be continually learning, continually pushing yourselves, and developing developing new skills. Um, so, so yeah, there is a real crossover between that, that mentality of going on adventures and being adventurous within the business world as well. Where does your adventurous spirit come from? <laughs> right, well, um, I suppose you, you could go back right uh, to my very, very earliest days with this. Uh, so my, my full name is actually Jonathan Maiden. And uh, the Jonathan part of my name is actually named after a seagull. It's possibly the world's most famous seagull, Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Um, so for those who don't know uh, this story, um, Jonathan Livingston Seagull uh, was a very adventurous and rebellious bird uh, who, who, who challenged um, the norms of seagull society um, and would always kind of push himself to, to fly faster and dive steeper than any other seagull had done before. Um, so actually, after, after the first couple of weeks um, of, of my life, um, my parents changed my name to Jonathan um, because they noticed um, a particular rebellious streak <laughs> within me and named me after, uh, named me after this seagull. Um, so, so yeah, you could say it goes back to the early days. I suspect it's possibly just because uh, my dad um, and, and my mum have got a little, little adventure, adventure streak within them themselves. Um, and that story just resonated with them. Um, <clears throat> what is that rebellious streak? What's, where, where, did, where do you think that comes from? For me, um, I, I, it's always been, I've, I've always seemed to have had an acute awareness of, I, I suppose it's injustice. Um, so, so, you know, I, Within my business, I, I feel like there's an injustice in the way that we're educating young people. We're wasting their talent. Um, we're not um, enabling young people to fulfill their potential. Um, we have a system that keeps far too many young people down um, and, and doesn't enable them to, to, to learn in the right way. Um, but, but wider than that, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very passionate about other political issues. Uh, and I feel there are a great many injustices in, in society. Um, so outside of, of my business, I'm 
always trying to get involved in different projects um, to, to challenge those injustices. Um, and you felt that from an early age that you wanted to do something about the world <laughs> and the oh, direction it's been going? I'm not sure. I'm not sure I could say that, you know, when I was a child, I, I, was, I had the awareness um, of what was going on in the world necessarily. Um, but I, I can always remember challenging my teachers and standing up to my teachers when I felt something wasn't right. Um, I mean, there's one example in, in primary school where I, I, I just felt like we were doing a class assembly and I felt like the teacher wasn't, uh, wasn't treating us particularly fairly um, and, and was giving, you know, the, the star roles to, the, you know, all the pupils that usually get them. And I, I can remember standing up to her and, and, and challenging the way that she was delivering this class assembly. And she uh, got a bit mad and said, well, why don't you do it? Uh, so I did. Um, so, so I remember me and my friend in I think probably year five of primary school actually, um, I suppose, directed the, the class play and pulled that together and we got people rehearsing at lunchtime. So, so yeah, that was just one, one little example, I suppose, of, of, um, of when I've kind of challenged authority. Um, and I've always felt like authority, you know, we're always taught throughout school that we must respect authority. And I've never been particularly comfortable with that concept. I feel like that respect needs to be earned and if um, it shouldn't just be a given and that we have a duty to, to challenge authority if we feel like something's wrong. I think that um, takes courage and it's something that I'm trying to do more of these days than I felt capable of when I was younger. So I always, I, I felt that there were injustices um, throughout school and um, in my work, in my early work life. But I tended to just complain about it to other people and then just go in with a smile on my face and just, you know, try to do my best and fit in. And it really wasn't good for me in terms of my health because I wasn't giving my thoughts and ideas um, a voice so um, I th and I think that does take courage because I was so afraid you know from childhood of all of getting in trouble and um, saying the wrong thing and so I, I always kept this anger inside me and actually I don't think that is good a good thing to do and yeah it manifests itself in in other ways and um, so yeah it's something that um, I'm sort of navigating in my more adult years. So why do you think it's important to spend time in wild places? So maybe um, if, if you're talking to people or, f or imagining people who are listening now and thinking, oh, yeah, I should, sp you know, I should maybe spend a bit more time um, in nature and they're not because they have responsibilities or they're busy with work, etc., or, or just feeling not very confident. Why do you think that it's important to do that? Well, firstly, I think we the world that we construct around ourselves in in the modern world is is very, I suppose it, it's it's quite fake. You know, we live in far too comfortable environments. You know, that that sofa is just lures you in and keeps you there. Um, you know, there are endless Netflix box sets that you can watch. Um, you know, it, it, the lives we have now are in many ways too comfortable, and actually going back into the wild places of the world. Um, reconnects us with with that real world um, so it, it, it connects us reconnects us with nature which I think is is absolutely imperative that we do quite regularly 
Um, but more so, it, it reconnects us with how we're meant to live as humans. Um, we're not meant to be enclosed within, you know, very comfortable, soft, heated uh, environments for, for such a large portion of our time. Um, the other thing is, is that it gets us away from technology. Um, you know, often when we are binging on those Netflix box sets, you know, we're also on our computer or on our phone as well. And we're not really interacting with the person sat next to us or, um, or our friends or our family. And, and actually, when you go out um, it, into the wild places, uh, it's a great opportunity to really connect um, with your friends and with your loved ones um, on a way that you just don't really do at home. Um, and then, like I say, it's about, it's about challenging yourself and never being too comfortable at any time. Um, and I think that's, that's really important as well. We can just become far too complacent in our lives these days. So how do you make time for that now that you're running a business? It, it's really hard, uh, and I—I'll be honest. You know, I, I used to go on on loads of really interesting and varied micro adventures, um, and I, I do it less so these days. But what I will say is that's not to do with time. You know, these these micro adventures—they they can be one evening. You know, there's the whole concept of a five to nine micro adventure, um, which doesn't take any time out of your your working life. Um, it, it's not so much the time; it's the it's the kind of willingness to, to drag yourself out of those comfortable surroundings and just get out there and, and do something really exciting and interesting. And what happens to you and your work if you don't get away from it all? Uh, right. Um, I think it, you, you can become stale. Um, you know, the, when, you, when you are, for example, like walking out in the hills or you're going on a long cycling adventure or whatever whatever it is you're doing um you know it is a great chance to completely refresh the brain that you don't have if you're just having a quiet weekend at home um so yeah it's it's during those times that i feel like your brain gets a reset and that keeps it fresh uh, means you can be more creative um but equally I, i'll i will admit that you know i it's not like i come back from going on a on a weekend out in the Scottish mountains and suddenly I'm filled with creative ideas. You know, that, that is a, a constant battle, whether I've been on these breaks or not. And I just feel like um, it's, it's always really important to continually like, almost work in different spaces and with different people um, to always get fresh ideas and fresh perspective on things. Um, but yeah, the, the going out into the wilderness is, is just the perfect opportunity to hit that reset button and come back... Um, not necessarily physically refreshed, but certainly mentally refreshed. So you mentioned um, creativity. Is there a particular environment that you need to be in to come up with new ideas for your business? Ooh, good question. Um, I'd say that there is no one particular environment. Um, you know, I, I, I can come up with creative ideas and have done when I'm sitting behind a spreadsheet. Um, and, and that can sometimes work. It, it's not, I'm not saying that's, that's how we should focus on coming up with our creative ideas. For, for me, actually, it's, it's when I'm working around other people. Um, so particularly like when we're having like whiteboard sessions and we're throwing ideas around um, and it's that space to, I always have a rule that there's no idea. Uh, there's no such thing as a stupid idea. Um, and I, I firmly believe that. Um, so you, with a whiteboard session, you can just throw anything out there and it can be the weirdest, most harebrained idea that actually 
ultimately leads to the most genius suggestion. Um, so yeah, I, I try and I try and engage with creative, positive people, and I find that I draw inspiration from those types of people, and that's it's from those interactions that I come up with most creative ideas. So, for people who are perhaps in the very early stages of considering a career change. Is there anything from your experience that you can share that might just gently encourage people to start exploring and perhaps a suggestion of where might be a good starting point for people to be asking those kind of questions about you know what their purpose is and how they want to spend their time yeah so so i, I think the the big question to ask yourself is is what problems do i want to solve you know t- take a look around the world uh, and and see see the things that are getting under your skin and see what where you're kind of naturally gravitating towards and and, and being passionate about um and and that that is really how to tap into your purpose find those those problems that you really want to tackle um, I, do, I i couldn't imagine um starting a business or, or or making a radical career change and going into something that i just don't have a passion for and that doesn't drive me um i couldn't i couldn't ever do it purely for money that doesn't seem like a, a positive step to take um, so for me it always has to come back to that purpose question um, and then i suppose in terms of like advice, you can often get overwhelmed by the scale of what you're looking to take on. You know, as I've said before, my, my purpose is to transform the way that young people learn by gamifying and contextualizing learning. Um, and that can seem quite an overwhelming challenge at times. Um, but actually, I think the, the first thing to do is just start. It doesn't have to be particularly big there's always a way that you can just start with that first step and get some feedback and then take another step and get some more feedback. Um, You don't have to have an app or a game or a big website or you don't have to spend a lot on getting loads of expertise in. You know, you will have a lot of expertise and a lot of value you can offer in your particular area and particularly if you are passionate about something. And there are always ways in which you can just iterate in a small way uh, to take something to your customers. So just lastly, can you share what was the defining moment that you decided to start up your own business and what experience you brought with you from your previous career? Yeah, uh, so the defining moments. Um, when I when I decided to never work for anyone else again in my life um, was just my my experience with um, with my my boss at um, at my previous job. Um, it, it was it was such a harrowing experience that um, yeah I, I just never felt I wanted to be in that position again. Um, in a nutshell, um, the individual harassed and bullied staff um, to the point that. Uh, three of my friends and colleagues um, were pushed to uh, to breakdowns. Um, the the board at the time didn't take action. Um, they were actually friends of this individual, um, and as a result, they didn't take any action that protected the staff. 
Um, and it wasn't a decision that I could stand by when they decided they were going to reintroduce this individual back into the work environment without putting any protections in place. Um, and it wasn't something I wanted to subject myself to um, either in that environment or really in any other environment. I just felt like if, if, that, if that's what the working world had to offer, where you could be exposed to individuals like that and there could be no repercussions, that wasn't something I was interested in. So it was at that point that I just said, fine, I'll, I'll, I will find a way to, to earn my own living um, so I don't have to have a boss and expose myself to, to those kind of situations again. Um, and then when I do employ people myself, I'm going to be really quite brutal with myself to ensure that I don't create a working environment like that that can have such a negative impact on people. Thank you so much for sharing your story, John. A pleasure. So where can people go to find out more about you, your work and your adventures? Okay, so if you go to panjango.com, uh, you'll find out all about what I'm trying to achieve with Panjango. Uh, you'll be able to see the games that we've developed. Uh, you'll be able to register for our free online platform, which uh, contextualizes uh, young people's learning. Um, but if you're interested in seeing a few of the micro-adventures that I've been on previously, um, if you just Google my name, John Maiden, um, it's, it's pretty much one of the first things that comes up. I have a, a blog. It's somewhat out of date, I'll say, but it has little videos uh, which follow some of the micro-adventures that I've been on previously. So what's one of the best micro-adventures that you've been on, the most memorable experience you've had? Oh, a few to choose from. Um, I'd say possibly the most memorable um, was when I, I hitchhiked to the Arctic Circle from Sheffield. Um, so my, my friend at the time uh, was going on a, a not quite so micro-adventure. He was cycling from Sheffield to Sydney in order to raise £20,000 for cancer research. Uh, and as part of this trip, um, we wanted to do a, almost like a Top Gear style challenge. Um, so he was, his challenge was to cycle the length of Norway in a week. My challenge was to hitchhike from Sheffield to the Arctic Circle within a week. Um, and we, we both made a video along the way. Um, and, and, and yeah, that was, that was a really special and memorable adventure. And, and the, the ending, you know, where we ended up uh, was just out of this world. Um, so that, that one always stays with me, um, but it doesn't always have to be necessarily that big even. Um, you know, some of the, the best micro-adventures I've been on are just simple overnight things. Um, so it, it could even just be um, going out into the Peak District and going for a wild swim um, and then maybe doing a bit of like caving uh, in some, some of the little accessible caves that the Peaks has to offer and then walking up to the top of a hill and sleeping on top of it and watching the sunset. Um, that in itself is, is just a really brilliant, fulfilling little micro-adventure. Excellent. So you can look up John Maiden for more micro-adventure inspiration. Thank you. Thanks for listening to About the Adventure. If you'd like to let us know what you think, your feedback is very welcome. Just visit aboutTheAdventure.com. Until next time.